Oh, there we go. Maybe that's a sign. That's the way the morning's been going, hasn't it? Uh, I am. I'm trying. I'm trying. We'll get through it. Um, yeah, so anyway, the Velveteen Rabbit became real right before us. But it takes some pain and sorrow to get there. But how's your Christmas season going? Mine's not quite as hectic as it may seem while I'm up here. I'm, <laughs> I'm still getting used to this. Um, but what kind of Christmas traditions do you have? Uh, one thing we started to do is watch Christmas movies, which I, it may, it may be a familiar Christmas tradition, but we don't usually have the TV on. But during Christmas, it's on more often. It's kind of just running in the background. We've seen these movies before, and they just kind of run through. And that's actually how I see Christmas movies anymore, is just like I get about 30 seconds, and then here and there, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it, it brings back a memory of where I saw it before. and brings back joy and um, of course, I still, you know, cry at the end of Wonderful Life and all of those good things. But, but what are your favorite Christmas movies? Which ones do you like to go to to kind of help get you in the Christmas mood or that you fall back on? Anybody want to call some out? Elf, okay, yeah, more modern. And the, the excitement that comes there. I remember the first time I saw it, and uh, I was in camping ministry then, but the, when Elf is like, you know, he hears Santa's coming. And just his response. It's not like, oh, Santa's coming. You're like, Santa! I know him! And it gave me a whole new appreciation for, like, Jesus is coming. Oh, okay. No, I know him! Sorry, I was just Bible nerding out there with that. But okay, what are other Christmas movies? Does anybody like the classic Peanuts? Charles Schultz, Linus's explanation, can't figure out what Christmas is, and Linus just kind of lays it out there. It's beautiful. Um, any more theatrical people like White Christmas, like the singing and dancing? And, oh, I had a few in the first service, but not a theatrical crowd. It's, not, it's a little bit different. Uh, what's that? The Grinch. I completely forgot about that. Jim, would you? Are you? <laughs> do you have a special memory with the Grinch there? <laughs> is that, oh, <laughs> is that? Yes. I was gonna. Some ones that they're like they're just because they happen at Christmas. Home Alone. Has anybody gone and seen Home Alone in the theater in Lewisburg, the campus theater? Um, they show it for free usually every year. If you go, and I'm not sure if it's still coming yet, we'll have to check that out. But if you go and watch it, you get to watch it with like hundreds, not hundreds, but lots of little kids and who just enjoy it at a whole other level because they're like, this is awesome. Of course, they're trying to recreate it back at home then. And that's my Christmas season. <laughs> we have booby traps all over our house. They don't understand. I'm not the bad guy here. <laughs> uh, all right, Rudolph. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, one that started the, probably brought in gift-giving and everything much more um, in a big way. Um, the, oh, the Christmas Carol. Yeah, Christmas Carol. Thank you. I haven't seen that in a long, I'm going to watch that again. Um, uh, a Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas, Christmas past and present and future. There's a lot of memes about it out there. I've seen those, but oh, how about the Christmas story? It's the classic tale of growing up and wanting a BB gun. I'm sure, everybody has that dream, right? <laughs> but it's just, it shows a fa- I love it. It shows a family in a whole new light. Um, all right, other movies that happen at Christmas. I don't know. There's any uh, um, Die Hard. Anybody watch Die Hard? Just because? Okay, <laughs> one or two. Um, it's a different one. Um, or any Hallmark movies. The many, many many Hallmark movies that come out. <laughs> What's that? Scrooge. Well, yeah, the, yeah, Scrooge, the Christmas Carol. Sorry, I could, you need Mike back there. 
Um, yeah, Scrooge, and just the change of life that happens and kind of realizing, you know, God bless us one and all. Um, all right. Um, but like I said, I get to see little snippets. But I was viewing Christmas movies in a different light as I thought about our word acceptance this year. Um, basically, accepting gifts. How do we receive gifts? How do, there are different people receive them in different ways. And at first, I was a little disheartened because I watched Peanuts and I saw Sally. Because I, I was like, oh, children know how to get re- receive gifts. They're all just joyful and happy. But you see Sally. Do everybody remember? Charlie's making her, her Christmas list and she gives him the list. And like, oh, well, if it's too hard to remember, just make it easier on yourself. Give me money. <laughs> and then Charlie's a little bit perturbed, like, what? My little sister. And he's like, well, I just, Sally just says, I just want what's coming to me. I just want what's mine. <laughs> you know, it's this idea of, like, we deserve presents. We deserve it. I think that takes away from the joy of it. But another movie rescued it for me. This boy dreams of Christmas. And he had one gift that he really, really wanted. And he just, he went to his teachers, he went to his parents, and he tried to sneak things in, a little conniving. He really wanted, he knew he couldn't get it except that somebody else gave it to him. He didn't think he deserved it a couple times. He figured, that's it, it's gone. But Christmas morning comes, and this is his experience, if you would share that. My God, would you look at that mess? Mm-hmm. Who's going to clean the papers up? Not me. Oh, no. Granny no. did it last year. Well, he can do it again. Hmm. Uh, and this wine's not bad. Well, it's not good either, but he wants it. Yeah. No, you don't. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. <laughs> almost, huh? Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, it's always next Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Hey, that's so funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Behind the desk, against the wall over there. Why don't you go check it out? Santa Claus To me, there was a lot more to this story than Ralphie just getting his official Red Rider Carbon Action 200-shot range model air rifle. 
which I don't know how many times he said that in that movie, but it was very specific. Um, but you can, I mean, can you sense his joy? Like, he, I mean, he was kind of disappointed. He kind of had reached that point. He's like, oh, okay, it didn't come. I kind of expected that. But then there's this moment of, wait, oh, really? Wait, really? No, oh, and he, you know, he just, he's speechless for a little bit. And then all you can do is like, I want to go try it out. I want to use it, the joy. But then you look at this, who really enjoyed that gift more? Ralphie or his dad? I mean, you can imagine his dad. He had seen Ralphie just wanting this, I mean, more than anything. But he didn't say anything about it. And even kind of alluded, like, well, that's it. But he had snuck out, he had planned, he bought the gift, he wrapped it, he snuck it in so they wouldn't find it. Let him be disappointed. And just what you could almost see it as he waited, like, well, did you, did you get everything you wanted? Just waiting for that joy. And he was kind of reliving his life, obviously, as when he had received that BB gun when he was eight years old. In this case, it's much, it's easy to see that to give is better to receive. But as I thought about it, with talking about acceptance, is it, do we, maybe we've forgotten how to receive gifts, how to accept a gift. What does that mean? Well, I think Ralphie showed us the best way, was just to accept it, I mean, <laughs> to open it. Take it, open it up, be excited about it, say thank you, whether in words or just excitement, and then use it, use the gift. Go out and do that. And that's what I kind of look at this morning, is how do we accept gifts? But not just any gift. Um, our verse for this morning I'm going to kind of look at is John 1.12. And it says that, but for as many as received, or to fit into our acrostic, for as many as accepted him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believed in his name. Him here is obviously Jesus. And so it's okay, whoever believes will be saved. But then again, what, what does that mean? Oh, I skipped the part. <laughs> what does it mean to accept the gift? And I think, if you think about it, back to regular gifts. When somebody gives you something, what are thoughts that go through your head? Is it, do you ever think, like, wait, that's too much. I don't deserve this. There's almost a, almost a feeling of guilt that comes with it. Ah, I don't know, that's too much. Ah, I don't know. Or maybe it's like, well, what can I do to repay? Okay, you've given me this, now I have to give you something. Or did I get you as an equal gifts, quote unquote? And I hope we don't do that too much. Or even, unfortunately, we think like, well, what did they want out of this? They're giving me something, they must want something in back, in return. But like I said, I think Ralphie shows the best way. It's just to, hey, I may not deserve it, but this is awesome, I love it. Tear the paper off, accept it, and enjoy it. But how do we do this with something that's not physical? The idea of Jesus, as the Son of God, as Danita said, like just to accept and believe that, okay, that's, I do, it's in my mind, I do, but is there more? What can I do? So that's, I want to dig into it a little bit, but I'm going to, in a different way. Because John goes on to say, um, right after this verse, after verse 12, where he says, whoever receives, whoever accepts and becomes a child of God, he says, this is, this is not natural. <laughs> this doesn't happen because of a human decision. Um, a, a father's decision or a mother's decision. It happens because of God. And it's a mystery. It's a miracle. We can't explain it. It just kind of happens. And so I'm choosing Psalm 107 because it's a poem written thousands of years ago um, of somebody who observed God working with people and of people that were trying to accept God. And 
I like poetry when we talk about mystery because it doesn't give just a straightforward, okay, follow these three steps and then you will have accepted it, voila. It's more of a remembering what's it like to accept, the joy of accepting, experiencing that again. And so we're looking at Psalm 107, and I will give a, a slight warning that, <laughs> because I struggle with this idea of acceptance. What does it mean? Why do we struggle to accept Jesus every day? And I think it's, as we see in this psalm, is because we kind of have to come to a place in our life where we have no other choice. Um, Jesus said, you know, it's, harder for a, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This idea that if we can rely on ourselves, we don't have to accept another gift. And so sometimes we have to come to a point in our life where we are desperate, where we are in distress. And that's kind of what we come, that's the story that's told in Psalm 107. So there's four different stories that we're going to explore, and you have them printed in your bulletin insert if you want to look at it. And it's, if you, if you like literary structure and stuff, it's exciting um, to look at. But if not, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about it much. But you'll see that there's, there's lines that parallel each other, that match up. So you have to see about A and then A with the death. Like they, God responds, anyway, sorry, I'll get to that. <laughs> um, God responds very specifically to our, our distress. I also realize we're all in, I like the, the Psalm 107 because there's four stories. And I realize as we talk with people, we're not all at the same place in our journey. And I think we need to accept Jesus in different ways depending on where we're at in our journey or what we're experiencing. And we can see that here. Um, these stories share a perspective. At a certain time in life, they're going through, people are going through a certain set of circumstances. Maybe you'll be able to relate to it. Maybe it was a time in the past. Like, oh yeah, I, I remember a time like that. I, was, I felt that. And I cried out to God, and God was there. And I remember it, and this is how I... I processed it. This is what it was like afterward. You remember the joy or the relief or whatever it is again of God showing up. And maybe you're going through something like it right now that we'll describe. And maybe it'll help realize that God does see you and that God does want to hear you and does want to rescue you. But we have to, there is something that we can do in accepting. Or maybe you're like, I don't relate to these stories at all. Um, I, I, I've seen other people um, go through it, but I just, I'm not relating. I don't know, so I don't know how to accept. My challenge would be to, okay, if you experience the joy of God, look for others that are experiencing some of the things that we'll see in the psalm. And how can I be a part of God's answer in bringing them um, and delivering them? Um, or maybe sometime in the future, you'll experience what we talk about and be able to realize, oh wait, I remember that. God does see me. It's not hopeless. So, Let's turn to Psalm 107 that's on your um, papers there. And each, each little section, I'm going to, I'll read the, read the section, the story, and then I'll go back and I'll reflect a little bit on it. And I'm calling us into reflection. I'll have some pictures that go with, this, with it as well. But I'm mainly asking three questions to help us explore it. Number one, who are these people? And what are they experiencing? What are words, what are feelings that they're experiencing? And then what do they do? They, they act, they do something. What is that? And then how does God respond. So join me in Psalm 107, 4 to 9. They wandered on a desert road. They found no city in which to live. They were hungry and thirsty. They fainted from exhaustion. They cried out to the Lord in their distress. He delivered them from their troubles. 
And he led them on a level road that they might find a city in which to live. He satisfied those who thirst and those who hunger, he filled with food. So back at the top. They wandered on a desert road. They were lost. They didn't know where to go next. You come to a crossroad, I don't know. You're not heading anywhere. Now we can see this very physically. It's a very physical picture of them wandering. Um, and we may be able to relate sometimes being lost. Um, but what about just feeling that feeling of lost? Have you ever been in a place and you're like, like I, don't, I have no big plan. I don't know where I'm going next. I had a plan, but it's gone now. Something happened. And God, I'm not sure what you have in store for us. Feeling lost. Feeling like we don't belong. Like, well, I had that my family, where I thought I belonged, I, they've said some things, they've done some things, and I don't fit there anymore. I'm kind of out here, I'm alone. I'm being hungry and thirsty, just wanting somebody to say a kind word. Being exhausted from just feeling rejected over and over again. This is probably, this is a huge problem in college campuses. Counselors have said that uh, depression and suicide is a big issue for kids that come and talk to them. They say the biggest, the number one problem is loneliness. They feel like they're all alone. Nobody sees them. Nobody cares. And it leads to this, a dark place like we see here. Can we relate to that? We've never felt that distress. This is what they did. They cried out to the Lord in their distress. He delivered them from their troubles. But he wasn't, it wasn't, this is a refrain that we'll see in every story. God delivered them from their troubles. But it wasn't just kind of a general deliverance of like, yay, you're free. It was a very specific. They were lost. They didn't know where to go. God didn't just stand up and say, you know, oh, okay, yep, I see you. Here's, here's what to do. It says God led them on a level road. God came down to be with them. He comes down to be with us and leads us very physically with us. Um, he led them. He gave them a place to belong, a city. They were wondering, not sure where to go, and he gave them a city, a place to belong. Now, you can't see this picture very well, I realize. Anne of Green Gables was one of my favorite characters growing up, believe it or not. Um, the first girl I had a crush on. She was, <laughs> and she was, so she was, I mean, she was a strong person, which explains why I fell in love with Sarah. But she was lost. She didn't know where to belong. She'd been passed from house to house. She came to Matthew Comfort, if you remember, and she actually kind of expected to be rejected. He says, well, I understand. I'm not a boy. You probably don't want me. And, uh, but, so she was feeling this lostness, this not belonging. She was exhausted. And even when they brought her in and adopted her and made her a part of their family, she still struggled. And here she's, she had orange hair, which she hated. It was the bane of her existence. And so she tried to dye it to be accepted. And it didn't turn out well. It was horrible color of green. <laughs> and so it got even worse. Do we ever feel like that? Like, oh, I'm just trying to, to change to fit in, but it turns out worse. And God's here, this, the psalmist is sharing, like, there were people that were like, I've seen this happen. They cried out in distress, and God rescued them from their troubles. There's joy on the other side of it. He gave them family. He may not give us, you know, biological family or another actual physical place like that, but hopefully, I guess that's my dream for the church, is that the church is a place where people that are lost can find a place to belong. While God is with us wherever we're at and we can call out to God, it helps to have a very physical presence, be people to be there with us. And I hope we can do that. We can be a part of delivering other people. 
to be a family. The next story, verses 10 through 16. They sat in utter darkness, bound in painful iron chains, because they had rebelled against God's commands and rejected the instructions of the sovereign king. So he used sufferings to humble them. They stumbled and no one helped them up. They cried out to the Lord in their distress and he delivered them from their troubles. He used, I'm sorry, he brought them out of the utter darkness and tore off their shackles. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love, for the amazing things he has done for his people. For he shattered the bronze gates and he hacked through the iron bars. So these people weren't as much lost and wondering as they were, they felt trapped. They sat in utter darkness, bound in painful iron chains. I know we have some people that guard people that are in prison. I don't know how many people we have here that have actually been in prison behind bars. And again, we have a word picture of somebody that is trapped. They can't go anywhere. Their choices have been taken away. Have we ever felt like that? Maybe not literally behind bars, but have we ever felt like we couldn't make another choice? Have an addiction that was there that as hard as I try, I can't make another choice. I go back to it again and again. Even though I hate myself afterwards, I go back and I make that decision again. Trapped. And it says that this actually was because of choices they made. They, they you know, made a wrong choice. They rebelled. They broke the law, whatever it was. And sometimes that can feed into that guilt and shame that we feel. It's like, well, I got myself here. I guess I need to get myself out. And it just makes it even worse. But it says, they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and he delivered them from their troubles. And I love this next part. Because you kind of get the idea, okay, God did. He, he said, okay, you can suffer for a little bit, because it's going to take that till you realize that you can't do this on your own. And when you turn to me, then I'll be there. So you, but, but God, when they turn, he doesn't just say, okay, I'm glad you learned your lesson. You ever put your child on time out, like, okay, what did you learn? You know, kind of bring him out. He tore off their shackles. So imagine they're bound. And he didn't just come and unlock it. He tore them off. He was so excited, like, yes, let's get this off. I have been hurting with you. I've been hurting watching you in this pain, in trap. Let's get rid of them. Tears them off. He, he, um, he shatters the bronze gates. So again, it's not just a, like opening, okay, we're just going to go about life. It's just like, no, this is, we're done with this, and shatters them. He hacks through iron bars. I mean, this is an active, passionate God that says, I'm not going to let you stay there. You've cried out to me. I'm here. Let's go. I love this picture in the story in The Lord of the Rings. If you're a fan of that, I know it's an older movie now. But the, the, their whole people is they're trapped. There's a, a pure evil outside of their gates. They think Aragorn has died. He's kind of one of the heroes of the story. And they're like, we're, what are we going to do? We're just going to, basically, we're going to die fighting. So here we are. They're kind of resigned to that. They're trapped inside. And Aragorn comes in. It's very theatrical. But he just pushes open the, 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 these big, heavy doors and lets light in. And it's just this moment. It changes the story. And that's what I see God doing. He says, oh, it hurt for you. But I can't come to you unless you cry out to me, unless you accept me. So sometimes I think we have to, this accepting we have to say, yeah, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trapped. I'm done. I'm, I'm hopeless. I need you. God, I need you. I can't do it without you. And then God's there. The next story 
in verses 17 through 22. They acted like fools in their rebellious ways and suffered because of their sins. They lost their appetite for all food and they drew near the gates of death. In the familiar refrain, they cried out to the Lord in their distress and he delivered them from their troubles. He sent them an assuring word and healed them. He rescued them from the pits where they were trapped. As you know where I'm going in the beginning here, they acted like fools. How many of us have like, yep, that was me. I made some stupid decisions. But these next words, it gets dark. And I see this, the picture up here. They lost their appetite for food, and they drew near the gates of death. And not being hungry for food, or just not feeling like, not sure how to live, being just like darkness closing in over us, feeling like, is death really that bad of an option? Depression is a huge issue in our society. We see it all over and in our community, and I dare say probably here. I've had small bouts with it, but it is a feeling of hopelessness. Whether you've made decisions to get there or whether it's just it's a, something that happens in your brain, there's chemicals that just don't go where they're supposed to go and we need to get help. And so when we say, I say they cried out to the Lord and God gives them help, I guess I want to be careful as well that God is there, he sees you and he hurts and he wants to be there and that's one step that we can take. But God also has given us doctors, he's given us people, he's given us family to give this kind word. I like, that's, that was the healing to this at the end there. It says, and he sent them an assuring word and healed them. How much can we reach out to people that are hurting and just give them a word of, I see you. Wow, that must be tough. Hey, I really missed you. I love you. Would you join me in life? Can God use us to help deliver other people from their distress? As well as, okay, I say, <laughs> you know, doctors and therapists, and there's people that are trained to help us with this. But we have to ask. We have to ask for help. And God uses these things to rescue us. The last story is a little bit different. Oh, he gives us hope. Sorry. He breaks in. There's little tiny things. And I wanted to make the point here, still like trapped in depression, that it's maybe not the big theatrical letting in the light or freeing like we saw in the last one. Sometimes it's just a small, little tiny bit of hope that just gets us through the next hour, the next day. It's a, music, a song that comes on, a picture of beauty that shows up, like, wow, a sunrise, a sunset, somebody calling you and saying, hey, how are you doing? Or is it, hey, can I come over? Can I bring you something? Cleaning a house. There's different things that we can do for one another. God does, works in mysterious ways, little pieces of hope that he'll give us to get us through. But God responds. He sees you. He sees us. He is there. Now the next story. In verses 23 through 32. And these are a little bit different. Let me read it. Some people traveled on ship, on sea and ships, and they carried cargo over the vast waters. They witnessed the acts of the Lord, his amazing feats on the deep water. Right? These are people that have it under control. <laughs> they have an exciting plan. They're adventuresome. Especially, they didn't know much about sailing 4,000 years ago when this was written. So somebody that ventured out on the water was, they were like adrenaline junkie. They were going out there, I, I may not come back. But I know, you know what, I'm doing it anyway. I'm confident. It says they saw the, the mighty acts of God. Wait, did I finish reading? Did I just, I stopped, didn't I? Sorry, let me finish and then I'll come back and describe the people. I got so excited. I love these people. Okay, 
So they, they, um, they witnessed the acts. Where was I at? Yeah, they witnessed the acts of the Lord, his amazing feats on the deep water. He gave the order for a windstorm, and it stirred up the waves of the sea, and they reached up to the sky and then dropped into the depths. The sailors' strength left them, and they became, because the danger was so great, they swayed and staggered like a drunk person, and all their skill proved ineffective. And then we know this line by now. And they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and he delivered them from their troubles. He calmed the storm, and the waves grew silent. The sailors rejoiced because the waves grew quiet, and he led them to the harbor that they desired. So, they start out a little bit different. They're people that, hey, I have a plan, I know what I'm doing. I'm, they're successful. They're succeeding at life, things are going well. Says, I have this under control. Until they don't. We see that the waves come. And here in the psalm it says, you know, it attributes it to God, because God controls the weather and, and things like that. And I don't, I think we can't always explain why things happen. I don't want to be careful and say, well, God's just trying, you know, something bad comes, well, God's just trying to humble you. I don't know that we can make that. This is in hindsight, and I think it's just that God can redeem anything. And so maybe we look back and we say, really, yeah, wow, I was a little bit arrogant there. I thought I could do this all myself. But I realized I can't. And storms come in life. Sometimes they are physical storms, the hurricanes that level cities, the, the forest fires that take out homes, the tornadoes. But it's also a loved one dying unexpectedly, uh, sickness that comes and just takes our savings, a job that suddenly falls out from underneath of us. And we feel like the sailors, we drop to the depths. We soar, we just never know what's coming. We drop low, we go, hi, God, where are you? Are you here? And the only thing we're left to do is to cry out in distress, God, please. And God's right there, and he calms things down. So they encounter a storm. He calms things down. And maybe it's, and I think the hard part today is we don't always see God calming the exterior storm. The sick person doesn't always get better. The home isn't immediately rebuilt. Our memories and pictures and things aren't recovered. Um, the fam broken relationships aren't always restored. But when we cry out, I think God gives us a bigger peace, a peace that's inside, that even though the, the storm outside still rages, that we can like, wait, I can, I can handle this, though. Like, God's here with me. I have God. I have, there are some people around me that do care about me. We'll get through this. There's hope. So how do we open, how do we accept this gift of life? Well, I think like, like Ralphie did, we open it, we enjoy it. I'm sorry, we open it, we say thank you, and we enjoy it. In this psalm, the people cry out in distress for various reasons, and the Lord rescues them from various troubles. God's right there. God calms the storm, frees them from captivity, befriends the lonely, comforts the depressed, shows them that they do belong. Like I said, maybe not the storm on the outside, the sickness, the broken relationship, the lost job but the storm on the inside, the anxiety, the stress, the anger. Maybe not in magical, obvious ways, but in normal ways, like a friend visiting, people who listen to us, a meal to eat with friends, people cleaning somebody else's house, friends inviting you in, hey, join us. 
How do we accept this gift of life that God offers through Jesus? We open it. And I know this is a little bit different. I may be stretching it, but I couldn't let go of the song. We open it. The people had to come in, the, in these stories, had to come to a point where they said, yep, I'm in distress. I think we hide our distress too much. We, we are in a culture that says, if you show weakness, people are going to pounce on it. They're going to put you down because they have to climb higher. So we don't. We hide it and we harbor it and it just gets worse. And God's saying, you, for us to help you, for me, for God to help you, for his people to help you, we have to come to a point where we say, yep, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I'm in distress. God, please help. That's how we open it, as we admit our need. And also realize that God sees us. Sometimes when we are there, and we're like, I'm in distress, God must not see me. Because if God saw me, he would rescue me. And I think this psalm, and people looking back and realize, we don't always see God until hindsight, is that, no, God is there. Call to him. And start looking for him in small ways. Open the gift. Say thank you. And here when we say thank you for a gift, we're, we're saying, I owe you nothing. I can do nothing to pay for this gift. I don't deserve this gift. It's just a gift. Thank you. And I think with, with this idea of that, well, God's giving me life. Well, then I should do something. I have, to, I have to do something. Or maybe we even start to think, well, yeah, I deserve this. I am. He made me. He should take care of me. Kind of like Sally's um, version of accepting gifts. But just realizing... It's just a gift. And when I say just, it's not like it's a small thing. It's a gift. You have to just, just accept it, enjoy it. And that's the next step. Is when we realize that this is just a gift out of love. That we can enjoy it. We can live life. And we can come out on the other side of the sorrow and the being lost and the pain and confusion and not sure where God is and start trusting and saying, yep, God, thank you. We can start praising God for the flowers in the side off, the small things that show up like, wow, well, I guess God didn't have to paint that sunrise this morning or last night or, you know, that person didn't have to call and, and say hi. But there is signs of love that show up that keep us going. And that is God. Um, in the, this verse just came to me and I can't remember the reference, but everything, every good thing comes from God. Realize whatever it is, it brings you joy. That's God saying, yep, I'm here. I'm here. Start focusing on those things. Let it bring you joy. Let it bring you through. This Christmas, accept God's gift of life through Jesus. Open it. Realize that you're in distress. Admit you're in distress. Or see others that are in distress. Say thanks. This is a gift of love for me, for others. How can I share it with others? Wow. Just enjoy it, live it, and then share it with others. Whether that's our words, just saying, hey, this is what God did for me, or I have experienced hope here, or whether it's in the actual stuff that God has given us, our, our time, our possessions, our thoughts, we can be a part of God's deliverance for others. Enjoy God's gift this Christmas. Join me in prayer. I'd like to enjoy, invite the praise team to come back up. And we'll finish with singing. God, thank you so much for this gift. This gift of life that we can look forward to. Not death and perishing forever. But it's sometimes hard to figure out how to accept this. We want to believe, like the man whose boy was 
was suffering from sickness. And Jesus asked, do you believe? He says, yes, I, I do. I want to. I, I'm there. But God, can you help me? Can you help my unbelief? So God, wherever we're at, can you meet us in our moments? And we're not sure if I can accept this gift. Help us to realize, yes, I can accept this gift. Help us to live life then on the other side, full of confidence and belief that God sees us, and not only sees us from afar, but is with us. That's why we have the name Emmanuel, God with us. And not just in Jesus 2,000 years ago, but in the Holy Spirit that he sent to be with us daily, and in people that God indwells to be around us, that we are a body living together. God, you are here with us. Help us to accept that gift and live it in joy and share it with others. In your name I pray. Amen. Please rise and join us in singing. And I know this the sermon kind of it has a somber feel to it. There's a lot of darkness and kind of like, oh yeah. But now let's look on the other side of that. God shows up. Aragorn breaks down the doors and lets light in. And we get to sing Joy to the World. Not because of Aragorn, but because of God coming into our lives. Joy to the world.